everyone, this is Matthew Cross from TSN 1050, and you're listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We have something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Source Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mr. Neil Spruce, and I'm joined by Mr. Corbett Durand, a.k.a. Clovey. Clovey, how you doing? Pretty good, buddy. Pretty good. Things are going well. How you doing? I'm solid. I can't complain. And if I did complain, no one would listen, so it's all good. We are also joined by the third member of our team, Mr. Justin Williams. Justin, where in Canada are you today? Today I'm back home in Ontario, man. It was it was fun being out in Saskatchewan, but I'm back home with the boys. Back home with the boys and back home to talk some NBA and some fantasy, because we're all into that. So, to join us to talk about that and more, it is our return guests. It is a friend of the show. He's come on for a fourth time. If he comes on for a fifth time, we are definitely going to get him some poutine. It is the one and only Mr. Eric Pincus from Bleacher Report and NBA TV. Eric, how you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Mate, great to have you back on. We're in the trade window for the NBA. The trade deadline is coming up in early February. We've only had one trade so far this season. The famous or infamous trade of Noel Vonley from Boston to San Antonio, and then he was promptly waived by the Spurs. What other moves can you see happening between now and the deadline? Well, uh, that's a good question. I think a lot of NBA teams would like to know that answer. And unfortunately, they don't because uh, we don't really have a definitive market just yet. I think it's starting to take shape. But the plan has really kind of squashed the market a little bit because you have almost... I don't know, 13 teams roughly in each conference that has a shot to make the play-in still and mm-hmm. or the playoffs. So, for instance, you know, as of standings right now, if you look in the loss column, the Mavericks are at 22 losses and the Phoenix Suns are at 24. The Suns are currently in 12th and only two losses back of the fifth Mavericks, right? You look in the East, similarly, uh, a little bit wider disparity, but... The Raptors, Wizards, and even the Magic are within range of the Bulls. Bulls are at 24 losses, Magic at 28. So everyone's sort of bunched up still. And for, uh, you know, like the Celtics just won a t- uh, almost won a title. Getting back to the finals and winning, that that matters to them. But for like a team like Sacramento, for instance, doing very well this year, just making the playoffs is a huge win for them. So if you say like if Orlando had a chance to make the playoffs, maybe they're not going to be a seller. If the Wizards think they can make the playoffs and don't, and think they can keep Kyle Kuzma, then they're not going to be a seller. Uh, the Raptors, we'll see. The Bulls, it seems like they're not a seller. If you start going down the list, there's only a few teams that are actually offering players in trade, and, and one of them would be Detroit with Boyan Bogdanovich, the Rockets with Eric Gordon, the Spurs with Jakob Pertl. But from what I've been told, the Hornets are not even active yet, potentially in the trade market, waiting until February to sort of get that ball rolling. So it's it's the play in slowing down the market that has sort of uh, left us sort of wondering when is this thing going to pick up? Yeah. 
Yeah, we are wondering. We're wondering with bated breath. I guess it is what it is. We'll just have to be patient. Yeah, Eric, as you mentioned, there are a number of teams that are within striking distance, but uh, which team surprised you the most so far this season? Well, had you asked me maybe a month or so ago, I would certainly say the Jazz and the Pacers. They're sort of on a similar track where people thought maybe they were rebuilding. Certainly the Jazz after trading Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, people said, oh, they're, they're, they're tanking. And, but they weren't. They got Laurie Markkinen. They got Colin Sexton. They traded for Kelly Olenek. And you start looking at their roster and you realize, okay, there's a lot of NBA players on there. And the team has sort of petered out a little bit. They're, they're a 500 team right now. Uh, Pacers, similarly, uh, they have an injury to Terry's Halliburton, and that's sort of why they've been on a skid. I don't think it's a long injury, but um, they've lost five in a row. And so, but two teams that I don't think people expected much out of that are uh, better than certainly expected. And, and you know, there the Kings are better than I, I thought they'd have a shot to make the playoffs. I thought they'd be closer to uh, eight seven range, uh, but they're all the way up right now, at least in the third range in the West. So there are some surprises. I guess the better answer would be, you know, are the Clippers a surprise that they're under 500? Maybe. I mean, they haven't been healthy for most of the last few years, so I don't know if I'm shocked by that. But other than that, you know, Lakers aren't great. That's not necessarily surprising. AD is hurt. That's not necessarily surprising. But other than that, I think it's pretty much more or less what I might have penciled in without, you know, with a few exceptions. The Raptors are worse than I thought they'd be. I'll I'll throw that in as well. And of the teams that are really performing well this season, which do you think has the most sort of financial room to make a big move? Well, that's interesting. Uh, So if we look at the East, like most of the teams at the top are tax teams, teams that are sort of limited in in flexibility. The Celtics have some flexibility, but if they were to make a trade, that's money that compounds because they're over the tax. Same with the Bucks. I think they'd be willing to make moves. Similarly, the Sixers are just over the tax by about a million. And if they get under, they'll get a kickback of about 16, 17 million from the rest of the league. So just, you know, how the tax system works. If you're under, you get money back. If you're over, you pay money in. So there's a real incentive for the Sixers to go the opposite way. You know, net, same thing. The Cavs are, are just a good team. I think they are at least in a position where they could make a move, where they add a little bit to the to the mix. I'm not exactly sure where they would add, but they're a team that is enough under the tax where the right move, if they subtracted and added, might be able to add something. Other than that, I mean, when you say contenders, you know, the Pacers are, are under the floor, which means they're under the minimum team salary. They need to add salary, and it might go to Miles Turner in an extension, but mm-hmm. I don't know if I would consider them a contender. And then in the West, like the Nuggets have all their money. There's basically spent uh, I know the Mavericks are very hungry to add to their mix. So while they're over the tax, I think they have you know enough to find a trade to improve. Uh, if I were the Pelicans, I'm not sure I would make any moves. I just like same with the Grizzlies. They they, they both have flexibility. They both are are have relatively uh, lower payrolls. Certainly the Grizzlies do. Uh, the Pelicans are closer to the tax, but they're so good as is. I mean the Grizzlies as you know, as of today have won 11 in a row. I'm not sure why you would mess with the chemistry at all. So uh, the Clippers, if you want to consider them a contender, you know, as a 500 team, very eager to improve both at center and at point guard. And then, you know, Lakers being five under 500 currently are also a team that would love to make a move to improve, but they're sort of waiting 
to make sure they can get AD back from uh, his foot injury before they make anything crazy. And, you know, some people can say, yeah, the Warriors, maybe they should trade some of their young guys like Wiseman, Kuminga, Moody. At this point, there's been no indication they will. So in the meantime, we're just going to have to trust that they won't unless things change and, and that they'll just try to win with what they got. Yeah, I think that seems most likely, actually. Right. So you had mentioned the Raptors uh, being worse than what everyone kind of predicted them to be, which it sucks. Uh, but there's whispers and rumors, especially up here in the Great White North, that uh, a couple teams are interested in Fred Van Vliet, one of those teams being Orlando Magic and another one being the Pelicans. Can you see those two teams having a bidding war for Fred Van Vliet, or is this just kind of agents stirring the pot? Well, no. I mean, I wrote about Orlando back in December, early December, uh, being a an interested party in Van Vliet. We talked earlier about how there are very few sellers. And Chicago, I kind of use as an example of the opposite of Toronto, where both teams are not as good as they are as they should be. But Chicago, to sort of accept that they're not very good and to start selling off pieces, the general manager pretty much needs to acknowledge that everything he's done over the last three or four years has been for naught. Like it hasn't produced enough. And so it's sort of difficult to keep your job when you say, yeah, I, everything I've done didn't work. It, it, I mean, it's the right thing to do from a basketball point of view. It's the wrong thing to do from a keep your job point of view. And so I, I, I bring that up in reference to the Raptors because you don't have that issue with Masai. He's got the kind of latitude and track record and uh, you know just reputation for what he's already accomplished. And if the team has run its course and it's decision time, whether or not you're going to pay to keep Fred Van Vliet, uh, whether you're going to keep uh, Gary Trent, both of them can leave. And then the next year, uh, both OG Ananobi and, and uh, Siakam are going into the last years of their deals. Generally speaking, unless you're keeping them, you want to trade around now. You don't want to trade in the last year if you can avoid it because the market is just usually softer on a player that can be a free agent in a year and, and unless you know you're going to extend them it, it's a risk of taking a player who might leave so you might not give up enough you know in other words if a team traded for siakam next trade deadline maybe you get him for three or four months and then he leaves and what did you accomplish so you don't give as much to toronto in a year's time but maybe to finish off this year and then try to work him in next year and work towards a future that's an interesting possibility so i think you know unlike the bulls I think the Raptors are in a position where they have the leadership that can afford to say, okay, it, it, it's time to you know, let's, let's look at Scotty Barnes as our future. Uh, let's try to get pieces around him, make a decision first on Van Vliet and Trent, who can leave sooner. Uh, maybe if there's real opportunity to get out of uh, Ananobi or Siakam, or at least negotiate with them to get a sense of where they are long term, because even though an extension might not work right now. It might work over the summer or at a later date. So it might be, you know, you, you just don't want to just panic and dump good players. At the same time, you don't want to keep good players and then watch them leave. So uh, yeah, once they hit free agency. So there, there's a lot, there are a lot of eyes around the league on Toronto, hoping that they'll look to go in the other direction. But, you know, they've been linked to other players that are more ads and not subtracts. Like they're in the rumor mill, you know, they're, they're a team looking at like a per, maybe a Boyan, uh, Bogdanovich or someone else like that. And who knows what, what path they go and if they make those kind of moves. But it doesn't sound yet like they're ready to pull the plug. But I think that it's a possibility. And if they do, they're going to have, I would say they would ask a very steep price uh, for, their, for their players. 
for sure. I feel like that price would be almost ludicrous, but also as a Toronto fan, I would like to see it. Uh, sticking over to this side, what about uh, Cam Reddish? Can you see him making a, a trip over to Toronto, or do you think he's going to head over to the Bucks? I think there's a real chance he ends up in LA with Lakers. Uh, there's a chance he could end up in Dallas. You know, Reddish is as such that he's a little bit of a tease. He was drafted off of potential. He was traded to the Knicks off of the potential. He's yet to reach any of that potential. So I think he needs, wherever he lands, he needs to be in the right situation and the right opportunities. The challenge is, is that he's about to be a restricted free agent. And so if you trade for him, you're going to have to negotiate a deal. And while you have the leverage because he's restricted, uh, he is represented by Rich Paul of Clutch Sports. And Clutch Sports is very good at what they do. And they negotiate a very tough bargain. And so, especially with restricted players. So it's just the sort of move that... If you make that move, then you better be sure that you're not giving up too much. And it doesn't sound like the price is terribly steep, uh, probably like uh, second round considerations or you know something like that. So, uh, but you know, again, I don't. I'm not in in love with him as a player. Uh, I do think there's still potential. He could be an impact player. He certainly has all the measurables as far as like body type and length and and size, and he can shoot. And he's just not. He's just not shown that he can contribute. Um, and maybe he's just been in a dysfunctional situation in Atlanta and in New York. That's a possibility. But there are other players in Atlanta and New York who have succeeded and thrived despite uh, you know, difficulties in the roster, coaching, et cetera, or whatever the issues are. So we'll have to wait and see. I don't know about Toronto going after Reddish. I hadn't heard that specifically, but certainly uh, a player who's available. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean... The- I think we're all surprised to see the Raptors in the position that they are. They they came to the season as a potential top six, and they could still finish as a top six team. But right now, it's, it's not looking like that with the current roster. But that's that's basketball, as they say. Now, Eric, you have a strong focus with the LA teams, as you you live out that way on the best coast, and you also dabble in a little bit of fantasy. So, just to switch gears for a little bit, we see with the Clippers that. Kawhi doesn't play back-to-backs, usually has one game <laughs> off. Paul George is often injured. What are your thoughts on Terrence Mann, both from a basketball perspective and a fantasy perspective? Well, um, the Clippers are sort of looking at their options when it comes to point guards. So it's not a negative risk opportunity because they may not fill that, right? So we don't know what the trade deadline is going to mean. He's not necessarily a huge stack guy under normal circumstances, right? Like, I like Terrence Mann, but he's not necessarily um, somebody who's going to get you massive numbers. But he's going to spike here and there, and he might be spiking right now. So if I had Terrence Mann, I might be looking to trade him (laughs) to somebody who thinks he's going to stay at that spike when he he may not. And that's just... I like to sell early when it comes to those sort of things. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd rather trade earlier than too late. So he had yeah, a 31 point game. He had a, a 12 point game, 8.12, 14. You know, like that's about as good as it's going to get for Terrence Mann. And selling high would be the way to go, in my opinion, because I do think the Clippers are uh, looking for a trade to add. I mean, they've been looking at Mike Conley. Fred Van Vliet, even uh, a point guard, a veteran point guard with experience, makes a lot of sense for them. Uh, somebody who can distribute the ball, play some defense, and just be smart. Not to say John Wall isn't that, but I just don't think the fit hasn't particularly worked very well. 
So uh, he's hurt. And even if they don't, Wall does come back at some point from an injury after a couple weeks. Plus Reggie Jackson, both of those gentlemen could eat into Reggie Jackson's numbers. So just my take. I'd be I'd be more of a seller than a buyer. That's that's just an opinion. Yeah, no, I'm with you there, Eric. I'm a I'm definitely a seller when a, one of the value is at its peak, in my opinion. For example, Onyeko Kongu has had a great January. He's had a pretty good December as well with uh, Clint Capella's absence. Capella's back. He's dominating in the paint, and that's someone I'm probably going to look to sell from now on. Now, Eric, who are some players that you're looking to try and acquire for your fantasy teams? Uh, let's see. Who do I? Well, my fantasy team is just trying to get healthy. It's been one of those challenging years where I'm actually still in first place, but I, I have like uh, Paul George, I have Chris Paul. I've had uh, a run of very challenging luck just getting guys, Andrew Wiggins, uh, Siakam, Lowry. So I feel mm-hmm. like my team is very solid. Uh, and I have Rudy Gobert who just went out this week. So I, I just need, I'm in a very deep league. We have 16 teams. We run 12 deep. And it's a category league. And I just, I, I feel like I've done my work already. I've already made the trades. I made two, three, four trades already this season. Right now, I just need my guys to step up and actually play. Given that opportunity, I think I've got a shot to beat anybody because I've got spike categories like Rudy Gobert in blocks, Chris Paul in, in, in assists. Uh, my team isn't necessarily very point driven. I can win points, but it's not the goal. Goal is to win steals and, blocks and assists and get some of the the in our league we have a field goal three point and free throw categories so i have enough that i can win off of those rebounding etc so but i'm not necessarily looking to trade right now unless it was opportunistic uh, because i've already done my work that's usually how i like to do it i try not to get players who are on rebuilding teams it's hard to tell these days and the plan <laughs> kind of helps but at some point even the teams that are in the plan tend to sit guys towards the end once they give up on that. And so I try to avoid players on bad teams. I do have Isaiah Stewart on my team, Detroit, but he's not like a centerpiece. He's more of a luxury. Uh, When he's playing well, I can play him when he's not. But almost everybody else is on a playoff caliber team. Other than, you know, Laurie Markin and I traded for him early on because uh, people thought they were selling high because they figured he he would die out of, you know, the team was tanking. But having done my research, I realized they were not. And even though they dipped a bit he's still someone who i'm really in he's probably my best player uh right up there with siakam sign up to so rare the ultimate fantasy sports nft platform scout collect and trade officially licensed digital player cards with other fans in our open marketplace create teams with cards from your collection and earn points based on your players real life performances to compete in a variety of fantasy sports competitions Showcase your skills and go head-to-head with managers from around the world to rise up the weekly rankings and earn rewards. Yes, so wherever is a game that you can play this season and the next and the next and the next. It's almost like a, a dynasty spin on fantasy. It's available in formats such as NBA, MLB, and also football, the world game. So what are you waiting for? Get involved, get in the game, Get some cards and have some fun. Oh, did I tell you it's free, by the way? All you have to do is sign up. It's really that simple. You just sign up, create an account, and then you can start playing. And if you want to go a little bit harder and purchase some limited, rare, or unique cards, you can do that too. But at a base level, this is really just a free, fun way to play with your mates and 
show who's really in the know when it comes to sports. Because ProSource Podcasters, we know our thing. But so rare a chance to go up against us and see who really is the smartest in the room. So hit the link in the show notes and we'll see you on So Rare. Own your game. If you need steals, might I suggest Grand Theft Alvarado. Jose from the Pelicans. Oh, he's, he's, I have him. He's on my bench. Of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, starting for me this last week. This week, I think he is starting. With injuries, I've had to... In fact, last week, I beat a team that I had no business beating because of guys like Alvarado. And I, I just got very lucky in... Or I don't know, some might say smart, but I'll, I'll call it luck. But I just eked out wins with guys like... I mean, I I started Herbert Jones. He did terribly, but he got me a steal and I needed to win steals. You know what I mean? It's like I played Jalen Suggs off my bench. Got enough. of Whatever I needed, it somehow worked. It was the worst team I've thrown out there all season and yet I won. So sometimes a guy like Alvarado can help you just by little bits if you balance your team properly. So we'll see what I do this week. I'm, I'm not optimistic about this week. But next week, knock on wood, as long as Rudy Gobert actually gets back on the court, I I think i might have my team i'm still waiting to see on chris paul it's been rough injuries have been rough this year oh yeah it's hope it's been about next man up i got a few next man ups if you need some <laughs> help but i think you're in good stead yeah would you say marketing was your key acquisition for your fantasy team yeah um i picked up a few trades along the way i picked up let's see andrew wiggins i picked up michael bridges or Mikael bridges i made a end a bench trade just to one one is sort of a all all those moves were the main moves i made i did make one small move late uh where i just i saw thomas bryant was spiking mm-hmm. i'd picked him off off of the waiver wire and 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 wanted to at least take a stab that as the magic finish off the season they give jalen suggs an opportunity to play uh and that bryant will face as soon as ad comes back or even if AD doesn't come back, that Brian, I figured, would sort of fade away and it would more of a spike. So we'll see if that one works out. But marketing was the main get. Uh, I traded uh, guys like Zubots at a high. I think I got, I have to check what my records are, but I think I got Wiggins back. I mean, I, I made a, a number of key moves that took a team that was very limited in its upside because I could only win one way. And by making a series of trades, I, made, I, I still am better in that one way, but now I can go two or three different ways. If I need to load up on points, I can load up on points. If I need, it's a head-to-head weekly thing with a rotating tiebreaker, so I can just go with you know, whatever I need. I can sort of hit. If I need to go hard on rebounds, I can re- put in more rebounders. If I need to go harder on assists, I have more guards. So that, that's the, the thought. I don't know. It doesn't always work, uh, but at least uh, when my guys are healthy, it seems to be pretty solid. Yeah, obviously it's working for you. And reality-wise here now, which of the high-profile rookies have impressed you most this season? As a rule of thumb, I stay away from rookies, and I let other people draft rookies because like, some rookies are going to be Paolo Bancaro, and some are going to be you know Jabari with the Rockets. And it's not like Jabari's a bad player at all. He's just a rookie. And so the numbers are not necessarily going to be there. And I don't want to be the one to try to figure out situationally who's going to put up the numbers. Sometimes it's, you know, ridiculously obvious. Like if you have a chance to draft LeBron as a rookie, you're going to take LeBron as a rookie. And there's some guys who just jump off the page. Like I pretty I knew pretty well Ben Ben Carroll was going to put up good numbers. But even then, a lot of times they're on rebuilding teams and they may end up, you know, tanking at some point or sitting good players. So I don't I don't 
think I have any rookies on my team at all. I might have picked up one earlier on, but if if I do, it's to trade them and let someone else speculate on them as opposed to going with players I know are going to be within a range of what they did last year. They're not going to be exact. No one's exactly the same every year, but you can usually sort of measure. An, an example might be complicated by like marketing in Cleveland versus marketing in Utah. So I didn't draft him because that to me is a wild card. I have no idea. Once I saw, okay, this is real. And once I was convinced that he was not, they were not going to be tanking, I felt that was a safe trade to make, but I wouldn't draft marketing in a new situation. Like I wouldn't like Rudy Gobert. I took because I figured in his new situation at worst, he's still going to get me rebounds and blocks. Even if his scoring, when I drafted, I didn't draft for scoring. So I felt like that would have been fine. Chris Paul's aging. I knew that, but if I can just get his eight assists a game and a couple of steals or one and a half steals, I'll be fine. As long as he plays, I just had to, you know, I knew that he would be hurt. I, I drafted Kyle Lowry. I knew he would be hurt a lot. Um, so I've just sort of worked around that through the season. So sometimes it's um, you know smart to take a rookie. I don't wouldn't say I'm conservative, but when it comes to rookies, I just I like to let other people speculate when I really have no numbers to go off of other than what I imagine he might do. Okay, so now you mentioned tanking. How aggressively should teams near the bottom of the standings be tanking for Wembenyana? Well, at this point. It doesn't matter anymore because you have four teams that are already that have already won when it comes to the lottery order. Like you have the Rockets and Spurs, you have the Pistons, you have the Hornets. No one else is going to I don't know if the right word is, no one's gonna catch them in the standings. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh so to give you some reference here of what that means, uh the number one worst team overall has a I guess actually one, two, and three have a 14% chance at number one. And then the fourth pick, the fourth worst team, has a 12.5 chance. And then from there, it's like 10, you know, 9, 8, whatever. It keeps dropping. So, like, at some point, the teams, the, the, you can't really have great odds. The best odds, you have an 86% chance of not getting the kid, right? So, if you end up sixth, you have a 91% chance against, you know, is it worth dropping a spot or two? Sure. When it comes down to the final week or two or three, if you're Orlando or if you're Washington or if you're whoever else ends up falling, it would be wise to sit your guys and make sure that you end up at five, right? Like that's all, like really it's because the Lakers are at 25 losses and if they're flipping their pick anyway, it's a swap with the Pelicans. So they have no incentive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Suns are going to try to make the playoffs. The Blazers are trying to make the playoffs. The Wolves, the, thun- the Thunder are even trying to make the playoffs. If there's a team that you could say, would they go the other direction? Some people would say, of course, the Thunder would. Well, not so fast. I mean, they're a team that would love to win. They have Holmgren. And while, yes, it would be nice to get Wembenyama, like you're not going to obstruct what is being seen on the court just to have a, what, 90% chance or 95% chance that you don't get him. It just doesn't add up. You know, same with everyone in the East that. I would argue, you know, the Raptors, it's, if, if they did decide to sell, it's about time, like, do it now because you're still within range. Like, you're at 25 losses, and they're two, outside of the Lakers in the West, we already talked about, uh, the other teams that are, you know, I guess, better it, when we're going backwards looking at 
you know, the, the lottery are the wizards at 26 and the magic at 28. And the wizards are, you know, at least saying and acting like they're still trying to make the playoffs. So, uh, it's an interesting time for the Raptors if they were a team to sort of go for it. Mm-hmm. Now would be the time. I mean, you can't really make a trade until it's time to make the right trade. You can you can't force it until the teams are ready to offer what you're asking. So, but I could see the Raptors being a team that might go in that direction. Other than that, it's really just Orlando and Washington, but no one else is standing out in the in the race to the bottom outside of the four who have really already won. And, and the only odds that change because they have even odds through the first, second, and third. The, the bottom three teams have the same odds. It's not it's not until you get to like the fifth. There's an increased chance uh, of falling further. If you, in other words, if you're the absolute worst team, you still only have like a 53% chance of even going in the top four. Mm-hmm. But if you're the fourth team, now you might drop to six, you might drop to seven, you might drop much lower. So, you know, there's there's a lot to the art of tanking, but no one seems that serious about it this year other than the four teams that are seemingly committed. Oh, before I pass you back to Justin, quick question. Would would Victor Wembanyama break your I won't draft a rookie rule? Uh, it depends on the situation. He would not be high on my board. I would be getting a better proven player who I know what they can do. That someone is, is reaching for Wembanyama early second round third round i don't know if you go first but like let's say he goes second or third round i might be getting you know a, a pascal siakam type production player yeah at that range whereas yeah women yama may be better than siakam immediately as a rookie as far as stats and fantasy but i don't know that he will be not to mention like a rookie's body takes some time to you know what i mean like a, the grind of 82 games uh the schedule a tall lanky kid like that i i'm hoping he stays healthy in his career I'm not putting a huge amount of money on, at least, you know, from a fantasy perspective on that kind of uncertainty. But again, that's me. And some people are more speculative and like to take those big swings. I feel like I'm getting a Pat Pascal Siakam instead. And I feel comfortable with that. Okay. Okay. Man, that was such a detailed answer. But to further that point, you mentioned earlier about Rudy Grobert. He's on my fantasy team and he was doing me well. And now he's just riding the injury reserve list which uh, really hurts my fantasy points. But Tatum has been doing me really well with these points. Uh, can't, can't really complain about that. Do you have Tatum on your, uh, on your roster by chance? <laughs> no. Uh, no, I mean, you can't, I can't get everyone. So um, he's a nice pick. I think I had a low pick in the draft. I think I was towards the bottom of 16 teams. So uh, I didn't have a shot at anybody who would be considered a top player. You know, I just pivoted. I think I took Paul George with my first pick. Uh, probably, I'd, I'd have to pull up the. I think I actually have it right here. Let's see draft results. But no, Tatum's a heck of a player, and, and it's it's a fun story. I drafted 15 out of 16 teams, so on in our league, Jason Tatum went seventh, and I got Paul George at at 15. I passed up on De'Aaron Fox, Bam Adebayo, and Siakam. I got a couple picks later, so that was mm-hmm. like my back to back. I, I went with sort of good stats all across the board, uh, but not elite. Neither of these guys are elite rebounders or elite assists or elite steals or elite blo- blocks, but they all give you a lot of that. But they also are good scorers. And so, uh, no, I didn't have a chance at someone like Tatum. I ended up going with Gobert for the third pick to say, okay, I'll try to be a good rebounding team and then go from there. And then I think I ended up 
going with Chris Paul to round it out. So now I've got assists, I've got blocks, I've got rebounds, I've got some scoring, and then it's just a matter of fig- figuring out how to balance that team. I ended up taking D'Angelo Russell, who I'm not particularly a fan of, for either fantasy or otherwise. I mean, he's a fine guy. I'm just saying uh, not somebody who I wanted on my team, but he was the best player available, and I ended up trading him, uh, and that was very beneficial how I ended up. I think that's how I got marketing among other things. So anyway, so, uh, but as far as Tatum, the Celtics are, again, you have a team where you know who they are. So if you're going into a draft, you're, you're confident, like, okay, everyone could get hurt, but you know, Tatum is the star of that team. You know, he's going to put up huge numbers. You know, they're going to be competing night in and night out all season to try to have the best record in the league. So they have the best shot to get to the finals. So that was a really nice pick. Uh, And he's been great, you know, as opposed to taking, a star on a team that's iffier. You know, uh, I didn't have a lot of confidence in, for instance, the Hawks. So if I think the Hawks might be iffy, Trey's a little bit riskier. Anthony Davis, risky based on health. You know, I, I, I like to get, to me, De'Aaron Fox was iffy-ish, but I, you know, you could probably be safe with Fox. Uh, I didn't take him, obviously. But I, I, don't, I, I want players who I know are going to be playing at the end of the season as best possible. Uh, we we have our playoffs. I think we finish with a week to go, or with like uh, the you know this is the last. The season usually ends on like a Tuesday or something like that. So our I think our thing ends on the Sunday before the last few few games of the season. And uh, you know you want somebody who if you get in our case we you know, that's the finals. I don't want somebody who's going to be sitting. So that's always always a risk. Uh, where you know if you're if you're on a, if you have a Jason Tatum and and you get to the very very end of the season and they're locked in number one. And they don't have anything to play for. Maybe they're sitting in for a game or two. So there's no perfect way to do it. So you just got to, you know, if you have a bad team, maybe they're resting their guys to tank. And if you have a great team, then they're resting their guys for the playoffs. So maybe you want a team that's in the four to six range or four to eight range. But you can't, how do you predict that? I mean, who knew the, the yeah. Pacers would be in that range or the, the Jazz would be or who knows? You know, it's a, there's no perfect way. But you just make the best decision you can uh, at the time it's it's coming up and you've got like, two to five minutes to make that decision depending on how quick your rounds are that's exactly it i mean i just got into fantasy right now with uh nba so rare so it's not the exact same but it, it it's fantasy ish there's blocking and you get points for for scoring field goals all that fun stuff and uh essentially the goal is to kind of win better cards so i had anthony davis for a while and as you said, he's just injured. And I'm like, I don't know if I should trade him away because you can trade at any time. So I was like, mm-hmm. should I trade him away and try to grab somebody new or just kind of wait for him to come back? Because he, he did give me like 50, 60, 80 points when he was playing. So I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I think the real Lakers are facing that same dilemma. Not that they're going to trade him, but you know, your your entire fate rests on his health. And that's a, that's a tough yeah. one. That's a scary thing. Eric, where can our fans uh, reach you on social media? Sure. I'm on Twitter at Eric Pincus, E-R-I-C-P-I-N-C-U-S. I write for Bleacher Report and I also write for Sports Business Classroom, which is a tremendous program if you're looking to get into the business of basketball, work with a team, work with an agent, work in, in any aspect. We've got people all over the, the league in all areas uh, who have gotten jobs out of our program. So really a wonderful program. And I put content up on that as well. Usually some of the more geeked out stuff digging into like the vonley trade (laughs) as far as like how the trade exceptions were generated uh what the money meant at the time for the celtics as far as tax and you know what it meant for the spurs as far as the floor which is the minimum team salary they're under 
Uh, they only get like $47,000 worth of credit towards the floor for Vonley, even though he's making, well, he was making about, well, I guess his buyout numbers, or not buyout, his wave numbers, something like 1.2 or 1.16, but they only get credit for 42474 So digging into that kind of geeky stuff. So if you're interested in how the NBA works or you're looking into getting a job doing what you might love, which, you know, something I'm fortunate to do, uh, check that out. But you could definitely, best way to reach me is at Eric Pincus on Twitter. Perfect. And Eric, last time we had you on, I believe we asked you the poutine question. Am I correct? Doesn't sound familiar. This might jog your memory then. Uh, Have you ever had a poutine before? I don't believe so. I doesn't. So no, I have not. Okay, so poutine is a Canadian dish where it's cheese, curds, fries, and gravy. That's like kind of like the basics, and you can get crazy with it. You can have the fruit. Gravy, gravy, no, gravy, gravy. Oh, gravy, as in like <laughs> turkey gravy or beef gravy. Okay, yes, it, exactly. Or as some people use mushroom gravy because they're freaks. Okay. Interesting, but yeah. So you can substitute things. You can add pulled pork. Kobe likes to add bacon, which I find is kind of weird, but that's it is what it is. So if you're ever in Canada, Nee will have to get you one. <laughs> well, I've never been to Canada. I look forward to it one day. Uh, I will try a poutine when the time comes. I look forward to that opportunity. Uh, but I'm not perfect. I've, I've yet to experience that in Los Angeles. <laughs> that is okay. And we'll also show you a beaver tail when you get here. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasts experience. Where no sport is left behind.